Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, first of all, we have a breaking news situation with explosions in Kabul. What everybody had feared slash predicted has happened. There has been a suicide attack. Some are blaming ISIS, although in the early hours of these things, who knows? Um, it's another example of how uh, legacy media is so behind on these things. I'm watching your cable news. They're not even close to having the details that all the Twitter outlets have. And I mean, legitimate news sources have. So uh, anyway, there is a suicide bombing outside the airport. There's another explosion at a hotel minutes later near the Kabul airport. There are reports of 13 dead. It'll probably be a lot more than that. Three U.S. Marines wounded is the latest that they're saying, but who knows what that'll end up being. We'll bring you the details when we get more. And is this the beginning or the end? Yeah. So we were discussing a couple of days ago, yesterday too, I guess, uh, New York Times did a big piece describing how not only are the prices of various healthcare procedures wildly different from facility to facility, from area to area, region to region, but they're wildly different at the same facility, depending on what sort of insurance plan you have or if you don't have insurance. And Craig Gottwals, Craig, the healthcare guru, joins us. He's an attorney at law, benefit consultant, uh, and, uh, and, and knows more about this stuff than about anybody. Hey, Craig, how are you? I'm well. How are you, gentlemen? Uh, good. Uh, so Joe's going to ask all the questions. I'm taking a uh, home COVID test while Joe asks the questions. <laughs> at one-fifth of the cost of what it would take cost you to do that COVID test uh, with a nurse. Ex- exactly. So I'm about to stick the swab in my nose and then to stick it into the liquid, and I'll know in 15 minutes if I have COVID or not. So while you're talking about... This is about, exciting. While you're talking about... Man, I wish, I wish, I wish you all still had the live cast, because I would really like to watch that. That'd be good times. I'm going to jam this thing way up in my nose, too. I want to get this right. <laughs> anyway, I'll, you can get it. I'll listen when, to your when interview. It, when with... it pushes back, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you're right at the sweet spot. Yeah. All right, so Craig, God. you as the most organized human being I've ever met have sent us a, uh, a, a kind of a prep sheet, a fact sheet, why costs are all over the map. They are. They're just nuts. Where do you start? Well, yeah, the the, uh, the New York Times did a pretty good job of cataloging some some nice uh, examples of it. And, you know, this kudos to the Armstrong and Getty show. Um, we talked about this two years ago, gents. I mean, we, when, when Trump first floated the idea of these regulations, uh, we were on the air saying this is a fantastic idea. It's not a silver bullet, uh, but it's a great first step. We need to have transparency in these prices to give the market any chance at all to fight back against the the bureaucratic oligopoly we have now um so a couple foundational facts because you, you cannot look at this topic without reiterating some of the basics with healthcare. right now in blue states taxpayers pay 70 percent of all health care costs in red states it's 65 percent you're looking at roughly two-thirds of all health care costs nationwide are funded by taxpayers Healthcare costs us 18% of our GDP, which is $4 trillion a year. That works out to $11,600 per person, not per family, okay? U.S. debt, we, we always hear about U.S. debt being $28.5, 29000000000000 dollars. Fine, that's the low number. But when you add in the real U.S. debt, when you add in the unfunded liability of Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security, so again, primarily insurance company functions, 
We owe $465,000 per citizen. Again, not per family, not per taxpayer, right? So we have a huge problem. The very single largest problem facing our country, um, as sad as what's going on in Afghanistan, is not that. It's not terrorism. It's this. It's the cost of health care. It's the cost of insurance, and it's our budget. Why is it so With screwed up? Who, who, who are the major players? Uh, who are we looking at? Okay, so skipping around here a bit, we've got, we've got what I would call an oligopoly, which is we have four major providers of health insurance across the country. It's, they're commonly referred to as BUCA, which stands for the Blues, United Healthcare, Cigna, and Aetna. Uh, the New York Times article throws in Humana, but they're rather small in the grand scheme of things on medical care. So you've got these giant insurance companies in bed with the federal government. They, they, they work hand-in-hand to write Obamacare. You also have the pharmaceutical industry, and then last, but and, and probably least, frankly, is large hospital chains. The individual medical practitioners, small doctor groups and individual doctors are not the problem. It's the bureaucracy and the inefficient market that we've created working together that are the problem, okay? Skipping ahead to why has it boiled to a head so badly now? I mean, this has been a growing problem for 40 years, but Obamacare did one thing that was rather draconian and bad in 2009. Obamacare put in a price control on insurance companies. Again, no good deed goes unpunished. This wasn't done with bad intentions. But what Obamacare did was it said, hey, insurance companies, we don't want you price gouging. So what we're going to say is that you're only allowed to mark up your prices 15% more than the claims you pay. It's called a medical loss ratio. So what that what that did was to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna limit the profitability of insurance companies. And again, a lot of people on the surface thought that was a good idea. Well, in practice, a decade later, what we see is it's been a horrible practice. It's exacerbated the problem because now for insurance companies to increase profitability, they have to increase claims. So where the negotiation used to be between a large hospital chain and insurance company, the insurance company was always trying to keep claims as low as possible. Now, insurance companies have a reduced incentive to, to lower claim cost. So if, for example, if an MRI goes from 1000 to 4000 well, the insurance company gets to keep, as a profit margin, 15% of 4000 as opposed to 15% of 1000 And because there are so few players, the consumer really can't say, screw you, you suck, you're, you're overcharging, we're overpaying, I'm going with a, a company B. That's exactly right. It's become increasingly difficult because, like I said, We've got hospital chains that are gobbling up small hospitals. So we have a a handful of very large hospital chains nationwide, four large insurance companies and a federal government. And they all, as as we've talked about going back to the book, This Town, they all trade executives over the years and they're all in the same muck together. The the whole thing, um, by the way, I did my nasal swab and I'm waiting now my 15 minutes for the result of my COVID test. So. Um, the whole thing with the medical care. So I've sp- I spent 24 hours in the emergency room two days ago. I've talked about that. Then at another medical facility. At no point in this process, at, at any point, has the idea of what this costs come up ever. I mean, no. no so that, that that's that's just the way the whole thing works. There's there's all these numbers moving around and prices moving around somewhere in a computer with somebody between the hospitals, insurance companies, whatever. But I. Haven't seen a single price at any point. We, that's just where we are. And it's been that way for. No, and the, the, 
it's forever, basically, yeah. in our lives. Yeah. And the system is set up, Jack, so that you don't see the price. Because, again, the fundamental problem, coming back, repeating something we've talked about on this show before, the, the largest purchaser of health care is now the federal government. The largest federal government program purchasing health care is Medicare. In order to keep Medicare from completely tanking our budget, I mean, some would argue that uh, 465000 per citizen, our budget's already tanked. But, you know, let's 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 just play this game for a bit and say, what can we do to keep Medicare from, you know, the Bernie Sanders $30 trillion plan from taking over? Well, what Medicare does is they artificially suppress what they reimburse for health care. So Medicare health care is inflating at three to six, three to four percent every single year. OK, but the, the federal government only increases what it reimburses for health care one percent every year. Well, that puts added pressure on the hospital chains to negotiate higher reimbursements with the insurance lobby. And now with the Obamacare mandates in place, the insurance lobby says, yeah, bigger claims means more profit for us. Okay. So these prices get spun out of control. And that's why you see things like paying 10 times the cost of an MRI. If you're in private insurance versus Medicare. Now on the surface, the left looks at that and says, see, Medicare is doing a better job at negotiating prices, but they're not negotiating at all. They're just saying, if you want to play with the federal government, which is, by the way, the dominant monopoly in healthcare now, this is what you'll take. And you'll you'll make up the difference on the backs of those 30 percent of people that are paying for their own health care. This is the problem. And this problem is not going to get better unless we have dramatic changes. This law was a good first step. But as if you've read the article, you know, the law has problems and we need we need more. You know. So presumably, then, if that 30% of us who are paying for our own health care with the uh, aid of our beloved uh, corporate fathers, um, if, if we went away, if it becomes all government health care, that enormous subsidy that keeps health care excellent to the goes extent away. that it is goes away. So we end up with away. crappy, crappy DMV style medicine. Right. So I, lo- I pulled this stat just a few moments ago and knowing that our co- knowing that our conversation would end here. So you, you, you guys typically will ask me, um, why does a doctor take Medicare then? And the answer is because the, the federal government's the largest buyer of health care. And so without putting a huge dent in their business, they really have to do that. Plus, the Hippocratic Oath is do no harm and they feel a moral obligation to do so. But now it's we're to the point where roughly only 75 percent of doctors will accept a new Medicare patient. But it's only 55% of new doctors that will accept a Medicaid patient. Medicaid is for the low income, of which one in three babies are born on Medicaid now. One out of three babies are born on Medicaid. That's a stunning statistic. And And when Medicaid was created in the late 60s, it was only designed to cover the lowest 2% of the population. Now one out of three babies are born on it. And here's the, now 55% of doctors will accept Medicaid. So we're getting into a crisis, right? Where we don't have enough doctors that'll take this low cost. Here's the stat that really blew my mind. 38% of mental health experts in Medicaid will take a new patient, Jack. Wow. This, this is a problem, right? You, you've talked about this on the air as well. This is, this is the problem we're seeing for kids with mental health anymore. When one out of three kids are born into a system where only one out of three doctors will take a new patient, this is, this is where we're seeing that this is the iceberg tip of the crisis. 
And meanwhile, the government policies related to COVID have caused a crisis in child mental health. Uh, so uh, Craig Gottwals, Craig, the healthcare guru, is on the line. Uh, before we uh, drive people to take up arms, um, what should we be advocating for? I know price transparency is a great first step. Uh, what else? Is there another yes. big one people yes. should be writing letters and shouting about? Well, before we leave price price transparency, I do want to say that this is, you know, there is a a, a slight ray of hope here, right? This was a Trump. The New York Times did a really good job of burying the fact that because they because the New York Times likes this new regulation and, and they did a great job of burying the fact that it was Trump's idea. It's a Trump idea that they go on and they do say on like page six in the article that the Biden administration supports. So. This law is good. As you know, most hospitals are simply ignoring the law because the maximum penalty is only $110,000 a year per hospital. These hospital chains make $5 billion a year. So having it be $100,000 a year is ridiculous, and that's why 80% of hospitals are ignoring this transparency rule. But they are going to try and increase the fine to $2 million next year. So it, 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 the first step is, is talk to your congressman, send a letter saying, we support transparency, increase the penalties, make the, make this data more readily available. So that's step one. Step two, for large employers, this is employers with, say, more than 300 employees, we've got to move to what's called a reference-based pricing system. Cut insurance companies out, self-fund your plan, and don't use a network at all. Just go direct. You insure your employees, and we will directly negotiate those reimbursements with the providers. There is a system to do that. Some employers are starting to. It is one way to break up this bureaucratic oligopoly. Well, that's, Craig, we uh, that's, really, really need to take a break. Sorry, Jack. Quick, more yes, less yes, no question. Are we still on the irreversible road to socialized medicine in your mind? Silence descends. Wow. Did he hang up already? Or? Wow. Okay, Craig Gottwald's the healthcare guru. Thanks, Craig. I stunned him with that question. Absolutely stunned him. Um, <laughs> my COVID test and the latest from Kabul next. Armstrong and Getty. Coming up, Larry Elder's ex-girlfriend. Not the exciting one you've heard about, but a different one. Um, not the crazy one. Well, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, oh, oh, prejudicial. Claiming he brandished a gun or whatever, but a different one who says, no, he's a nice guy. So we'll talk to him coming up. There has been a couple of suicide attacks, it would appear, outside the Kabul airport, which is something everybody was expecting. John Kirby, Pentagon press secretary, said in a post, quote, we can confirm that the explosion at the Abbey Gate of the airport was the result of a complex attack that resulted in a number of U.S. and civilian casualties. We can also confirm at least one other explosion at or near the Barron Hotel, a short distance from Abbey Gate. There is a video floating around already, as Joe mentioned, with the horrific aftermath. I don't want to see it, but it looks pretty awful. The Taliban is quickly blaming terrorists for the bombings in Kabul. So the Taliban, who are terrorists and regularly blow people up, are calling the people that blew these things up terrorists. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what's going on there. Oh, this is just out from the Taliban. We will never again let terrorists use the country as a base. They've just announced. Wow. Okay. Well, wow. we'll see. They're savvy, no doubt. They're just playing the uh, international politics game a lot better than they used to. 
So I took my COVID test, the home COVID test, which apparently are hard to get right now because uh, uh, Delta's flying all over the place and it's a cheaper way to do it. The same test, the same exact test, in a lot of cases that they're giving you at the doctor's office that you wait in line for and drive and park and everything else and cost you 150 bucks is 20 bucks if you buy it at your local drugstore and do it at home yourself. Uh, so I just did it, and it has now been uh, the required 15 minutes, and I am negative for COVID, but positive for gonorrhea. So that's no. disappointing. No, but uh, so I got one pink stripe. Two pink stripes means you got the COVID. I got one pink stripe, which means I'm in the clear. Yay! Meanwhile, I have peed on the stick, and <laughs> there may be a little miracle on the way. I'll let you know in about five minutes. <laughs> That'd be shocking. It works if Judy's pregnant. Do I win? Are anyway. you a birthing person? I I may be. I don't know. Will I you, identify as a birthing person. Will you be able to chest feed the offspring? <laughs> ah, the unintentional comedy of the woke. Always you know what enjoyable. woke means? It means you're a loser. Here's Thank a, you, Mr. President. Here's another update, and the updates are coming fast out of Twitter. Um. Source briefed on the situation in Kabul tells me hundreds of ISIS-K in the vicinity attacks likely to continue. So their view of it is ISIS-K is swarming all over the airport and it might be attacks all day long. Well, and remember, earlier reports had said there is likely going to be an attack at the very gate of the airport where it happened. So evidently there's some decent intelligence floating around. So I would take this one seriously. God, is there any possibility that the Taliban ends up in a full-on raging street battle with ISIS-K? Yes. Wow. That'd be something. How insane is that? With all those innocents hanging around just trying to get out of the country. Yes, Larry Elder might be the governor of California soon. Uh, We've got one of his ex-girlfriends we're going to talk to next for some reason. We'll explain it when the time comes. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Suicide bombings it uh, near the Kabul airport, right outside the gate. Killed a bunch of people. We don't know how many yet. Injured some U.S. servicemen. Uh, another bombing went off at the airport, so details are sketchy. Uh, ISIS is being blamed. Um, that's about all we know at this point. But what everybody feared slash predicted would happen has happened. And we'll have the latest for you coming up. The California gubernatorial recall election is heating up, getting a lot more attention. Uh, The leading candidate to replace lunkhead Gavin Newsom at this point is talk show host and author Larry Elder. I think, well, it was several days ago that an ex-girlfriend of his, Alexandra Dating, is that how you say your name? Anyway, uh, claimed that Elder waved a gun at her in 2015. She says he's a despicable human being. Every woman should be afraid of him. Well, uh, Patricia Stewart, who has been a very longtime friend of Larry Elder, is uh, standing up and saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. And she joins us now. Patricia, how are you? Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. Hey, were you were you Larry's girlfriend after Alexandra or before? Before. We met in about 1996. Okay, so you were a long-term girlfriend of Larry Elder's before this other woman, and uh, you're just standing up for his character. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I wouldn't have really felt the need. I thought the, the accusations were so outrageous. I really didn't think that um, there would be a whole lot of credibility there, but I should have known. He never waved a gun at you? Onto this. I know. I'm so insulted. No tattoos, no gun waving, no NDAs. I, I'm just horrified. I guess I was just too square. Well, now, you, you're still friends with Mr. Elder, right? I mean, you guys, quote unquote, broke up, but you're still friends. Absolutely, absolutely. We started off as friends, became a romantic relationship. We stayed involved for quite a at long work, time. At work, I understand, which is not cool by modern uh, terms. Not, <laughs> well, we worked in completely different departments. He had no position of authority over me in any way, shape, or form. And actually, I'm the one that asked him out. So there was no, uh, and, and we were both very careful about getting involved. Um, we, st- Like I said, we started off as friends. And uh, we just, over time, you know, things happen, people change. Uh, I went through a reset in 2012 and just felt like I just needed to be on my own. And we very much stayed friends. I, I would contact him every few months. He would reach out to me. I'd send him emails and Twitters and memes to use on his uh, pages. And uh, I would check in every so often just to see how he was doing. And uh, Okay. Well, I just, yeah, I just wanted out. to establish that you have an ongoing relationship with him. It's not like he could have gone off the deep end and you haven't seen him for a dozen years. But is he the gun-waving type, or, or is that just a, a crazy accusation? Oh, oh come on. So far from that. This is a man who does not like conflict in his personal life or is not aggressive in his personal life i never had an argument with argument with him once and i have a pretty quick temper so this is somebody who fought the good fight all day long did not want to be fighting when he got home at night so again uh, it was just so alien to my experience with him he always treated me with such respect such love such kindness i believe that but he could have started dating a crazy person and that'll that'll bring out the crazy in you right i guess it's (laughs) I guess it's possible, but I just, I, I've seen so many discrepancies in what she has said, and um, I just know that he does not have a violent temper. He does not walk around in a haze of marijuana smoke. He could not operate the way that Larry Elder operates uh, and, and have that kind of behavior going on. This is so, a relationship that ended badly, and, and he had to hire a lawyer to get this person out of his house. So how much fear of her life was she in? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Leave. So, so she really, she physically would not leave, even physically though he told her we're through, leave. get out. Exactly. Wow. So now we're but, getting somewhere. But they were actually engaged? Yeah, I think for a brief time. It wasn't the whole 18 months or so that they were together. I think it was just a, a fairly short time. I think he realized almost as soon as uh, it happened that it was probably not going to happen. But so, he, so he dated her for a while, and then he was going to marry her, and then decided that she was a crackpot. Um, I think he probably was getting a lot of pressure and decided that maybe he would give it a shot. And then almost as soon as he agreed to it, he probably decided did he ever ask? Did, did he ever ask you to marry him? No, he didn't. Neither one of us wanted to be married. So it was a perfect relationship. <laughs> so I was what, taking what care of a, a sick mom. I was working 40 hours a week. And, um, you know, it was absolutely we, we spent time together when we wanted to be together which was often, and um, it was just nothing but a good experience for me. It was wonderful. So what, what do we know about this other woman? I mean, is she uh, just kind do of... Do you know a, her? Well, I know. I, I don't know whether she just was biding her time, because I'm sure she's still angry about this situation. Um, I don't know why she didn't come out with this when he announced this candidacy. Trying to hide her crazy. That's what we all do. her to do this, or whether she wanted to do it on her own. But uh, the fact that she didn't leave that night when she was supposedly in fear for her life, um, it just everything about it just smells to me. It yeah, well, of, her, of her, she did an interview the other day, and it just that's what really turned the corner on it for me because then she started in with a besides, he's too old. Wait a second, 
You don't do. Oh, that but, thing about him being this elderly, dis- decrepit man. Yeah, that was hysterical. Yeah, yeah what a crackpot, Patricia just seen Stewart. Him a few weeks. Yeah, that's that's fine. Longtime uh, friend, romantic partner, Larry Elder, calling bunk on the other girl's uh, wackadoodle claims. Patricia, uh, good to talk to you. Thanks. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much, yeah. guys. So much. You Take bet. care. It's yeah, it's you, you know, know. It. it's an interesting situation to be in to interview a different ex girlfriend of a current person running for office to try to clear up their dating situation. I, I just, I don't know. I don't take it really very seriously, as you can probably tell, um, b- because these these kind of he said, she said just are, you never have any idea uh, what's going on. But um, I just have no reason to think that a guy his age has got something like this in his background. Coming up, her ex-boyfriend who says, <laughs> that girl lies about Larry Elder all the time. Don't believe a word she says. <laughs> Stay with us, won't you? <laughs> but first, a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security. You know, the uh, Chad and Eleanor Lawrence designed it. They did it because their friends had gotten their home broken into, and they knew uh, regular systems are so expensive and complicated, people end up not using them. So they invented Simply Safe. So once you get them out of your home... So they don't get back in. You got a Larry Elder situation. You might want Simply right. Safe. Yes. Um, so you go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You customize the system to your home. It comes to you into the, it gets shipped to you. And then you set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. Now, you might think, based on that description, that it's kind of, that's kind of better than nothing, I suppose. No, no. It's the best home security system you can get, according to a whole bunch of people who've reviewed these things. Fabulous people working at Simply Safe 2 going to keep you safe from a fire, a burglary, a medical emergency. They're even there to help you when you set up the system. So go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, customize your system. You save 20% off because you're our listener. You get your first month free when you sign up for interactive monitoring service. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. So, um... Well, you know who we ought to line up is a bunch of Gavin Newsom's ex-girlfriends and wives. I'm sure they've got some stories to tell. Uh, we're all human. Gavi. We all fall short sometimes. Yeah, what a what a crazy business politics is. So, who did the did the did the? I keep calling her the crazy ex-girlfriend because I think she's a crazy ex-girlfriend. But you know, I don't know any of these people. But so, who who brought forward the crazy ex-girlfriend in her claims? Did she do this completely on her own? Just because his name was out there and she's got, you know, still got a thing for him or whatever. Well, she's well a hell hath lover. no wrath like a, a woman scorned and she was, uh, you know, tossed aside. Did the, the, did the Democrats go after Larry Elder and dig her up and put her out there because they thought damaging... Damaging Larry Elder doesn't help the recall for Gavin and he does it? No. I think it does. I th- it absolutely does because part of the yes vote would be and there's this other alternative that I kind okay. of like. Okay, so maybe you're right. I, I haven't. I don't know that that happened, but that ha- that does happen all the time. Um. Oh yeah, Oppo researched the rest of it, and then the corporate media dutifully uh, repeated and publicized and amplified her uh, odd and and threadbare tale. Yeah. God dang it! it it's it's no wonder so many people don't run for office. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Ugly, ugly stuff. Speaking of ugly, uh, attacks in Afghanistan, absolutely horrible. Uh, ISIS appears to be unleashing terrorist hell now in the Taliban's Afghanistan uh, against their wishes, or so they're claiming, and, and they have been bitter rivals in the past. 
Well, it's interesting. I'm uh, I'm reading somebody saying the White House is not surprised by these developments. They've known all along, blah, blah, blah. I wonder if they're going to turn this into a, you see? You see why we're getting the hell out of there? The place is just crawling with, with, with crazy jihadists. We're out. Yeah. Which, yeah. Well, you know, well at, at this point, putting aside the lack of planning, the foot dragging, the not getting our people out, the not getting the people who are loyal to us out, even though their friends and, and, and the people they fought with have been begging the administration for and, and the Trump administration, in fairness, for years to get these people out. Putting that aside as of right now. Yeah, I get why we want to get our people the hell out. We have several service members injured or killed at this point. Washington Examiner is reminding us that a week ago. The White House said any attack or disruption of our operations at the airport would compel a swift and forceful response. That's right. They did say that. Wow. A swift and forceful response against who exactly how? Well, right. I mean, if you have ISIS ooching about on the streets of Kabul, you know, blending into crowds and the rest of it, how are you going to do that? Going to reinvade Afghanistan now? Right. Take back Bagram Air Force Base, uh, restock the embassy, uh, you know, water coolers, and, and uh, here we go. What a mess. I think we're going to hear some relatively awful stories out of this. Hospital in Kabul is reporting 60, 60 injured in the explosions. Uh, still don't have a death toll. The highest number I've seen is 13. Hopefully that's as high as it goes. And the Taliban, for all we know, the Taliban could have been anywhere from completely behind this to they're more upset than anybody. It's possible that Taliban leadership is like, holy crap, those mother blankers. Find out who did that and kill them. Well, they're already dead. They're suicide bombers. But uh, find out whoever they might be more upset than anybody as they're trying to get us the hell out of there. I think there's a decent chance that's the case. I I hope we find out. And just one more quick note about Afghanistan. We mentioned this yesterday. Um, that, 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 that uh, there are dozens of San Diego area students and their parents in Kabul right now, in Afghanistan, U.S. citizens. Um, they'd gone there to visit families while they still could, uh, thinking that the Taliban was months away from, from coming into Kabul. And so there are at least dozens of American citizen children, uh, students in country, and nobody's quite sure where they are. More people are putting that quote out there from it's five days ago. Joe Biden said his own words, any attack on our forces or disruption of our operations at the airport will be met with a swift and forceful response. You can't say that sort of thing and then do nothing when there is a major disruption and an attack on our forces. Can you? No, no, absolutely not. So did the Marines go forth from the airport onto the streets of Kabul? That's what does the, that look like? I don't know if you read the article over the weekend that uh, behind the scenes that Joe Biden's biggest fear is a Black Hawk Down situation where we have, you know, Marines being drugged through the streets like happened in Somalia all those years ago. Um, that's what he's trying to avoid. And, you you know, you'd be taking a step toward that. if They go out into the streets and start to engage these people without a tremendous amount of backup. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Text line 415-295-KFTC. It's going to be an interesting day.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Suicide bombings, Kabul airport. Couple of them right outside the gate killed a bunch of people outside the uh, a hotel nearby. Not a lot of details right now. Seems to be ISIS, but who knows? We'll give you any uh, new information when we get it. Meanwhile, the Wuhan lab fever continues to kill people all over the world. 99.9% uh, unvaccinated people. But uh, the state of California is contemplating a an indoor mask mandate for restaurants and all sorts of other venues. Quinnipiac has been uh, polling on all sorts of idea, uh, you know, uh, questions of policy and that sort of thing over COVID, and they've just got a brand new poll out that I found really interesting. Florida, you may have heard, dealing with a COVID surge, etc. Governor Ron DeSantis controversially banned mask mandates in schools. I don't think masks probably do kids much uh, good at all, but a majority of people in Florida say they support requiring students, teachers, and staff to wear masks in school. It's 60 to 36 in favor of it. But listen to this. Democrats are 98 to 1. Independents, 63-32. Republicans say no by 72 to 24. To me, you know, we talk a lot about um, Thomas Sowell's book, A Conflict of Visions. People on the left and the right just have a different vision of the world. And that, and we come to things from such different perspectives that we often don't even understand the other side. But the idea that you'd have a statewide rule makes no sense to me. Because I know how different COVID can be or attitudes of, of, of people about COVID can be within 20 miles of each other. Because I've got it right here. In my own backyard, I live in a place where everybody's wearing a mask and everybody's worried about COVID for some reason. I know that 30 miles that way, people aren't worried about it at all. Let them handle their schools the way they want. Why would a governor make a rule? I don't like the idea of forcing all the schools to wear masks or not allowing the schools to wear masks. Either one. Let the schools decide and the parents decide. Yeah, I guess Ron DeSantis figures it's bad for the kids and it ought to be the parents, uh, individual parents' uh, prerogative yeah, to keep, figure that keeping out. Keeping in mind always, and I think people forget this, the, the, the governor or whoever can say we're not making it a mandate to wear a mask, you can still wear a mask. Nobody can stop you from wearing a mask. Also keeping in mind, many school administrators are morons. So if you want to wear so a mask. so ideological, they might as well be. Go ahead and wear a mask. Interestingly enough, uh, the fabulous Kevin, uh, who keeps us up to date on COVID research and mask science and all sorts of stuff, uh, points out that the United Kingdom's Department of Education is out with updated COVID-19 guidance for schools. Um, <clears throat> of the uh, of great note is that no masks are required for anyone in school. The UK, like the majority of countries in Europe, does not mandate masks for children in school. Uh, he writes, damn you, Ron DeSantis. Uh, face coverings are no longer advised for pupils, staff, and visitors, either in classrooms or in communal areas. That's a quote from the advisory. Classroom pods or bubbles, no longer recommended. Contract tracing and isolation, contract contact tracing, rather, is not required. And individuals are not required to self-isolate if they live in the same household as someone with COVID-19 or are a close contact of someone with COVID-19 if they are a student. 
Meanwhile, in Oregon, they have an outdoor mask mandate. Yeah, that is unbelievable. That's crazy. There are key control methods in uh, Great Britain, for what it's worth. This doesn't mean it's right, but it's interesting to compare and contrast. Ensure good hygiene for everyone. Maintain appropriate cleaning regimes. Keep occupied spaces well ventilated. And follow public health advice on testing, self-isolation, managing confirmed cases of COVID-19. Basically, normal school. So we got this from the Facebook page, which I never look at, but Hanson does. Uh, I'm not sure what's up with Jack and Joe's mask and vaccine stances. They're against them, then they're for them, then they're against it feels like they're either being led by some overlords or they're drifting where their ratings and polls put them. For pretty str- Wow. Possibility number one, idiotic. It's never happened in our entire career. Uh, second, please, <laughs> idiotic. For, for pretty strong libertarians, as long as I've listened, I'm shocked that they're cool with forcing people to get vaccinated. I mean, they may not come out and say it, but that if you need to be employed or travel or go to any retail building, it kind of seems like it's being forced. No, I'm not for forced vaccinations at all. I, I got it. I think you should, but I don't particularly well, How about care. like at a school, though? They're hmm. forcing the teachers or you get fired. Well, I think, you know, if you're vaccinated, uh, you're going to be fine anyway. Kids can't get vaccinated. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. It's a tough one. Kind of boils down to what, how serious is the Delta variant for kids, and that's still unclear to me. You know, surprisingly, as a guy with a, a kid in a in a school, like he's at school today in a classroom with a bunch, I don't, I haven't thought about whether the teacher's vaccinated, nor cared. I just, I'm not worried about it. No, no. Well, the danger to kids is still pretty small, yeah. or so it would seem. Yeah. Tough to get by all the clickbait and, and the fake news and the uh, advocacy journalism and the rest of it, though, to figure out what's actually going on. Keeping our eye on the suicide explosions in Kabul.